Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hourglass Isabella. We are here in the Chateau Library today with Daniel. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing on the nature of being British. British. Which is an interesting topic, and it's something that, for better or worse, Daniel and I discuss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's curious because I think culturally there are differences between the two cultures, between the UK and America. And so if you're an expat who moves to America, there's certainly things that you notice that are just inherently different. And likewise, I think, you know, for people from UK, I think sometimes we frustrate Americans a great deal because we just kind of have a different way of doing things. And we have a kind of different set of moral values to is what we imagine or how certain things should be done or how people should conduct themselves. And some of it's just unspoken rules things that, you know, I think in the UK we grew up with. It's very polite culture, but I'm often saying sometimes very cold culture, because while we're very polite, that doesn't always mean that we feel that way. It's just more that's how we've been taught to kind of be, is to have good manners and things. Whereas in America, you guys wear your heart on your sleeve, and you kind of say it how it is, which yes. I admire greatly, actually. Hanging on in quiet desperation is, is the, the English, English way. way. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, actually, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Hang on, in quiet desperation is the English way. So what do you think? What have you noticed about it all? Well, I mean, obviously I, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of your culture. I like your country. I like I like the people that your country makes. Do you know what an Anglophile is? I only learned about this the other yes, day. Yes, sure, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know that I would necessarily consider myself an Anglophile. No, you're not. But you yeah. tell me if in your definition. No, so, so Anglophile are like the people that are that are, are American usually and are just really into British like they really 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 they like it. are into British things whether it's the, the Queen and the, the royal family and whatnot or you know they like to pretend to be British maybe they they like to pretend With they the have accent. a British accent I've seen that a lot in fact I have a lot of friends American friends who and we've got birds in the background by the way here but I have a lot of American friends and it's happened to me a couple of times this is not a one-off thing where they'll just kind of wake up one day and they have this British accent and they just start using it. They adopt it, they yeah. use it every day. It sounds it's the cooler. strangest thing. I actually I actually have a friend Mythica. She yeah, did that. She, she made a, she listen. One day, she, one day she just became British and she said, Yes, thanks to you, I discovered my true self. And I was like, <laughs> Good to know. That's interesting. Yeah, there's birds. Shall I quiet them? I'm gonna quiet them. Yeah, those birds were talking up a storm, so I gave I gave Crowley a whole bowl of salad to consume. Do you think it's an interesting question, we talk about the Anglophile thing. Do you think Crowley has an American accent or a British accent? Hmm. I think I, I think he has both actually. I think sometimes really? I hear him and he's imitating you and sometimes he's speaking. I've heard like him me. talking yeah. your voice as well, but it's very interesting who he chooses to mimic. And and to be fair, Birds can do that quite well, and some of them can do accents quite well, which I think is really interesting. So we have this whole, you know, this classic Anglophile thing, and you'll see things like, I notice you've got things like Lucifer, you know, the TV show. He has a very um, particular British accent. Well, that's, that's because British people are evil. So we, 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 we have established long, okay. this, we've established this in Star Wars, that the Imperial... Uh, Imperial people are all British. Okay, I used to think that, and I would agree with that argument, because I was like, if I was ever going to be in Star Wars, you'd you be, know yeah, you'd be, I'd be, be on one of those Imperial ships, probably in the grey uniform, working at the, the desk, you know. 
kind of quietly in the background, working, but working in the, in the with, with some of the more recent on the that's a whole nother podcast unto itself. But yeah, I always imagine like, okay, so you've got this scenario with Star Wars and you're right. The villains typically usually have British accents. It's become a bit of a trope in movies Absolutely. and TV, but with the more recent Star Wars stuff. Yeah, they don't count. Okay, but I've just you, decided we should just ignore have, those did, entirely. Didn't you notice that Ray had a British accent? Sure. So suddenly they gave a good character wait. a British accent. She's actually Palpatine's granddaughter, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Who's your favorite British villain? Of My all time? favorite British villain of all time. Uh, I mean, I mean, Christopher Lee. It's got to be. I was that's, gonna. It's funny. I was exactly gonna that's, say that's the same easy. thing. Yeah. He's great. He's great. He's amazing, and he's been in so many cool movies. He's been it's in everything. Cool. I know. I was just watching The Corpse Bride the other day. Right. And I couldn't believe he, and I think it was one of his last appearances, actually. Well, yeah. Do you know he joked that if he died, he was the most likely person in the world to come back. Absolutely. From the dead. Absolutely. And I believe it in that very Dracula style. Yeah. No, that, that's actually, that was actually, it's funny, you said the exact mm -hmm. answer I was going to give. He's yeah, the quintessential... It's, it's the British smooth talking villain. Peter Cushing has always has always joked he's, that, he's, no, that, he's that, not that people th that people always think that he's the villain. Dracula. But he's not. But he's not. He's always the, he's always the hunter. Peter yeah. Cushing was the Van Helsing, yeah. always Almost hunting always. Christopher, Hunt Lee, Christopher Lee, who was but people always but mixed it come up. Come along Star Wars and he's Grand Moff Tarkin. And yes, he is in British. Star Wars <laughs> and British. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. I think there's great power in the British accent. I didn't know that no, there until is, I there moved is. to it's America. Very, it, well, and it is a very imperial thing. You had an empire. You were off empiring around. It's No, it's not so much that. Have you ever seen Frasier? Yes, of course. There's a great episode, right, with uh, so where Daphne, Daphne falls in love with... So uh, Daphne is, her... is the caretaker, uh, if, for those of you who have not seen this TV show. She's a caretaker of this elderly guy. Right. Right. And she falls in love with well, this British no, no, British no, no. That's, that's not the way it goes. That's not the way no. that you're, you're, okay. you're, tell, messing, tell you're the messing the story up. So Daphne's actually, she's actually from, is she even British? No, she's not. Right, exactly. She's like Australian what? or something, right? No, and wait, then, oh, wait, no, we messed up, sorry, her no. brother no, comes. No, no, Daphne, no, no, we're right. Ross Daphne's British. With... Okay, I've messed this up. No, okay. we completely messed this up. You're right. Daphne is British. Okay. It's, it's Fraser's friend who falls in love, Roz. Roz. Roz, yeah, okay, yeah, Roz is the girl who's right. friends with Fraser. who's the guy who has the psychiatric talk show. Right. She falls in love with Daphne's brother, who's also British, he's but total, he's got he's like EastEnders, EastEnders, <laughs> really kind of, very different accent from mine. Right. And, and in, in England, very you know, low class. very, very, very Geico. You've seen the Geico <laughs> lizard. He sounds a bit like that. And she's like, well, he sounds so <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> And all stuff. I'm like, man, it, people believe anything in a British accent. Yeah, it's, it's a true. thing. Everything sounds just by talking more intelligent. And I didn't realize it until I moved to the States. And specifically, until I was in LA, at a moment in time, where I ran off and was living in Hollywood for a period of time. And while I was in Hollywood, I met all of these people at the nightclubs and all of the LA types. And honestly, there's some really great people out there. There's a lot of writers and very much people who are in the movie industry. And so I was mingling with a lot of that crowd. And But I could also tell the superficial level that you will find in LA. Everybody's someone, everyone's doing something, going somewhere, and they're willing to step on anyone in the process to get where they need to go. And there's so much, and I met so many judgmental girls out there, very beautiful women, but really judgmental, kind of very, especially on the physical. And I noticed if I'd had friends, they'd kind of be judgmental towards my friends. It was very off-putting. But every single person in LA loved me. 
and I couldn't figure out why it was because it just seemed unnatural. And then I realized it was a fucking British accent. It's the British accent. That was it. Oh, you know, you should come to my party. They're about, they're about the farthest reaches of the empire. <laughs> you know? Yes, the map is no longer pink. Yeah. But it's almost like I do say that you are kind of our children. Of course. And that's why I love Hamilton. Like Hamilton is back. such a great... <laughs> yes, that. You'll be back. That's the great, the mad King George. Yeah. And he works completely bonkers. Yeah. So that's all we, all we... I mean, everyone's like, well, what do you get taught in the history books? I'm like, well, let me tell you, they don't teach us about the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> they don't teach us about the Civil War in England, at least when, when I was growing up well, doing GCSEs. But did they you learn about the Revolutionary War? Did you learn anything no, about... No, we skipped that over. Oh, okay. We just let you guys have it conveniently. <laughs> you know, Not the concept you guys were fri- fighting for it and took your freedom there. But I still very just much kind of, see you. We're just like, eh, whatever. I see you as, as, as you know, like my children. Well, for sure. And, and you've and, grown and, up. And I think culturally that's very and much you the have, case. And you had your own empire. Like in the 1950s, America was the place to be. Right. World power. But I think we always we always liked you. Yeah, it's a, a love hate even, relationship. Even back in the day, I think I think it was more we wanted to, you know, we just wanted to do things our own way. Yeah, and and we were like, no. Yeah, <laughs> and it's weird classic. though the things that the things that have evolved, right? Like, and, and give me and, an example. Well, like biscuits, or it was it was the biscuits. thing that actually. S- s- well, okay, explain the difference of a biscuit right. for the British so, to the American viewer. Biscuit in in my world, right where I come from, <laughs> is is this flour and water. Um, baked item which is more like a scone it's a it's whatever that's a different thing entirely we don't even have scones we have biscuits and you have biscuits and gravy yeah and and you put savory things yeah and it's a it's a savory sort of affair whereas in england and then come to your part of the world and all of a sudden biscuits are actually cookies yeah which is weird don't get me wrong we have cookies in england but cookies are your chocolate chip in the oven round objects everything else your your shortbreads and and for anything custard creams custard creams all of those things Nice niece, we had awful biscuits. They're all biscuits. Yeah, there's a so, whole biscuit culture. We could have a whole episode on biscuits. Oh, but here, I'll give you the other confusing ones that always confuse me in America. Chips here we go. Chips and crisps, right? Chips and crisps. We can go back. I wasn't where I was going to go. We can oh. go back one first. So in England, chips are thick cut French fries. Yeah. Okay. In your country, potato chips. That and that's what we call crisps. Yeah, we don't have crisps. So your chips are our crisps. And our chips are just thick fries. cut style fries. fries. Because French fries are thin. These are these home cut fries. They're not French fries. fries, they're just home fries. Yeah, they're chippies, they're chips. Home fries. You know, if you get a fish and chips, like what chip do you get with it? Fries. <laughs> See, I got you. I got you good there. Okay, the next one, I'm going to list my enlisted complaints from America. Here we go. Bacon. <laughs> Let's talk about your bacon problem. Yeah, our bacon is better than your bacon. They're completely different things there. They are, but you, know, you couldn't even. I couldn't even compare the two because our, our bacon is infinitely better. Bacon in England, you can't even get. No, British like, bacon let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. In your country, yeah, but first you have to explain the difference. <clears throat> I don't have to explain anything. <laughs> Look at you, brat. Okay, so let, your let, bacon let, is basically ham. Okay, but it's not ham because it's thick cut back. It's actually back bacon. It's the actual cut on the animal and the butcher. So if you go to a butcher and you're looking to get British bacon in America, you have to ask the back it's bacon. Ham. Back bacon. Let me okay. ask you though, but I mean, let's, let's think about the way that you're like, do you put your bacon on things? If you had Canadian bacon, what would you call that? Yeah, it's Canadian bacon. Not ham? It's not ham. Sure looks a lot like ham. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Have you ever had Canadian bacon? Yeah, of course. I had Canadian bacon all the time. It's not ham. When was the last time you had Canadian bacon, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, she's put me on the spot. 
I don't know. But let me ask you. Let me ask you. Would you you ever consider putting your bacon on a cheeseburger? They do. We have these things called. You. We. In fact, you know, we call them. We have these things called butties. No, just don't even go there. Okay, (laughs) this is a disgusting thing that these people do, (laughs) where they they make (laughs) sandwiches out of butter. They. It's just. It's butter. And potato chips and Chris, a you can, Or you can put chips, actual French fries, and it's thick cut French fries. It's nasty. It's cold butter. Like who eats cold butter? You can warm it up. And I've, that said, I've had my, it with my hot sister butter. when she was little ate cold butter. Did she? She did. It was weird. Wait, raw? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> well, what's Fuck the off. difference? What's the difference? Is get chip butter? No, no. But did she, she actually eat yeah. butter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a weird thing. But so, with nothing else. No. Okay, so to, to wrap up our bacon thing, if you have a British folks, if if we want to get that in England, we actually got rashers. Rashers of a thin ones. Yeah. So in, in America, bacon is thin and crispy and very good, I and might amazing, add. Yeah. And in England, it is a thicker cut piece of ham. But also, I will say, it's very good. And I right. wish more Americans got to experience. But then, British but then bacon. you also have uh, you also have your gammon. Which is not apparently Gammon's ham amazing. Either. My God, what I would do for gammon. For, my mother used to make gammon for Christmas. I, I've tried to make gammon over the years, and uh, what I've, I've done. I made him try. In fact, what, mommy, what I've done to if make you're it, listening to this, I forced him to make it yeah. many years ago. And now. what I've done is I've actually bought. Um, so, it's, first of all, it's hard to find unsweetened ham in my country. Yeah, you put sugar. Right? In, can we just talk about it's, your it's obsession with fructose honey, corn syrup? Honey, no, that's a different thing. Honey baked ham is a thing. That's a whole and episode. So, and, and, you know, and brown sugar is always a thing. So, finding an actual ham that's not sweet is a hard thing in the, in the first place but then what you have to do in order to make it taste like this gammon stuff is actually like pack it in salt so i just pack it in salt like, and i like extra cure it yeah somehow and then and then somehow it comes out and it kind of tastes like so gammon, gammon is very salty ham, very salty well very I, will, salty. I, will, I do want to ask you this as a british person talking to an american because i feel like this is a bridge politically we need to cross here what is the obsession with adding sugar and fructose corn syrup to every product, including, and the one that annoys me, is bread. In England, bread is not sweet. Literally every loaf of bread I get here yeah. is like sh- candy sugar. Why? Do you I, need I, to put I, that I in think, bread? So here's what I think happened, right? Who decided yeah, that? Right. I, I think what happened is, is that, you know, it's a re- fairly recent thing, right, is what I think. It's a fairly recent thing, and I think it's one of those things like, you know, people like sugar, right? That's just a natural thing. And I think in the, I'm going to say... I'm that just doesn't gonna, mean it's a good thing. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to make this up. But I, I think in the 60s and 70s, we invented high fructose corn syrup. Yes. Right? And by inventing that, you know, and we had lots of corn. We had this massive surplus of corn. So it was a great thing for us. And as a result, we started putting it in everything. Everything. And in general, when, when you, people say, you know, do you like it? Do you like sweet things or not sweet things? The human body is set up to like sweet things. And I think the reason why you guys don't have that is because you don't have a large corn surplus. We don't, yeah. You don't have we a don't reason. Do it. There's no thought in your yeah, mind. It's like, yeah, you know what we should do? We should totally bring over, you know, gallons of, of high fruct, tons of high fructose corn syrup. But here's the difference. You know. If I have soda in England, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's made it's with sugar. real cane sugar. Yeah. Whereas in America, most of the soda, with is, exception is, of a few, is actually yeah. fructose, high fructose corn syrup. It's disgusting. But exactly. So here's, here's, here's a cultural difference here. In England, we like our stuff savory. Okay, we really do. Like a British breakfast, you're going to get some sausage in there, some bacon, a blood pudding, you know, which is uh, Americans do not like the blood pudding. No. But all of that very vampiric stuff, very, you think, very savory. <laughs> it's not Sa- a blood Just pudding. Gross. Blood pudding is definitely vampiric. Okay. So you get this very savory. In America, you guys are like, let's have a waffle, let's put some maple syrup 
on top of this food. What about some whipped cream yeah. on topping? Let's have some pancakes. And it's a stack at IHOP, yeah. a stack of pancakes. A stack of pancakes. You guys are so hit. Now we're leading into the peanut butter thing. You know it was coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming. You knew I was going there. So I'm always fighting, fighting, Dan, and in fact, yeah. many Americans on this point. And I'm speaking from the British side of the pond here. Mm-hmm. But in England, peanut butter is very much something it's a sa- for a savory dishes so it's fine in like a curry okay it can it can it can exist in savory things the concept of the peanut butter jelly sandwich does not exist in england to the point where when i first when we first knew each other i was in university and me and my dorm we didn't understand it so we all decided to go out to the supermarket and we bought the supplies and we made in the dorm room, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And it was so bad to us that we couldn't, we were like, why did the Americans like, we couldn't finish it. We couldn't do it. So then I get to America and I know nothing about Reese's peanut butter cups because this doesn't exist in England, folks. This is not a candy existing thing. She claims without real evidence that nobody no. in England no. likes yeah, sweet ev- and savory mix. Yeah, no, nobody. No, it's not just so, it's very sweet and savory. That's incorrect. Nobody likes and will do in England chocolate mixed with peanuts just, as a staple candy bar. I'm talking out. about Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups do not how about, exist how about in England. Snickers. I think Snickers might. There Snickers are, there might. Are, there are I actually there. think Snickers exists. Packed with peanuts. Yeah. Snickers satisfies. Yeah, yeah. I think Snickers and my English followers listening can tell do, me. Do I you think actually Snickers have exists. Snickers, or do you call I think, it something else? No, I think else? we have Snickers. I think it's called Snickers. It's been so long now. People listening, help me out on it. I think there are Snickers, but the Reese's peanut cup is eats sacrilege. Them? Well, so it's not to sacrilege. Point, it is to a point where one year I was here, and an American friend of mine, knowing this. Then Sally, if you're listening, it's you. She comes up to me and she's like, try this delicious American candy. She hands me and I'm like, what's in it? She's like, chocolate. And I'm like, well, chocolate's good. And of course, I bite into it and she tricked me. <laughs> it was peanut butter inside. I couldn't believe it. Right. Well, it was so another thing. I mean, you say chocolate's good. You don't actually like American chocolate. You think American oh, chocolate God, is like Oh, God, it's the so- worst. No, and, and I'm not alone in this, okay? Yeah. This is something that anyone who's from Europe will agree with, okay? And you, this is something I wish you guys had because you deserve better chocolate. Cadbury, and it's to the point where Cadbury's chocolate in England is the most amazing thing you'll ever taste. And you guys, I know what you guys are saying. Well, we have Cadbury's in America too. We have too, Cadbury, we have Cadbury eggs. You, it's not the same. And those eggs and everything, they, in fact, I believe the story goes, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they actually have to legally use a recipe, a different recipe, and it was from like World War II or something, that is still the American recipe that is used today for Cadbury's in America, and it's a completely different tasting product. And what I always tell, and every British person I know who's, because we don't have Hershey's in England, again, it doesn't exist. So I remember uh, my brother actually went to New York on some trip, and they brought back Hershey's chocolate. And I was giving it away at my school. Everybody agreed on the same thing. You've heard that whole cilantro thing? Half the people love it, half the people think it tastes like soap. In England, when people taste Hershey's candy, it tastes like soap to us. Mm. That same kind of genetic so, thing going on. Speaking of food so from I can't Pennsylvania, I have, a, I have a conundrum for you. Yeah, yeah. Bacon to beans. 
baked beans completely different in both right. countries and as well. Yet, and yet, made in America. We make your baked so, beans. So, okay, so in England, our most popular brand of baked beans is Heinz baked beans. Those are the baked beans you're going to see on any British breakfast. And one of the fails in British and Irish pubs in America is every time you get those baked beans, they, again, in that American way, are packed with sugar. Bushes. Bush is a great baked bean come in America, but again, thick amounts of sugar. Brown English sugar. baked beans are still sweet, but nowhere on that level of sugar. So when you're having a fake British breakfast in America, you can tell the difference. Yeah. But then it turns out the Heinz baked beans that we eat in England every day is actually produced in America, but somehow, even though it's produced in America, you guys can't distribute it to your own stores. No. What? I'm talking to the Heinz baked bean company. What the fuck is going on there? I don't know. Get your I, shit I, I together, have, guys. I have no explanation for People that one. would buy it, but it's a great product. I don't know. Maybe it's not sweet enough. That's why. Again, uh, yeah. the obsession with sugar. Yeah. I think it adds into the obesity problem. I think oh, no it adds question. into that, but less sugar. And in fact, I've no friends who cut out sugar out of their eat, diet. You eat, uh, They're much happier. Breakfast? Oh, I, well, let's see. Okay, I'm okay, now, yeah, yeah. now going to tell an embarrassing story about the $60 a box uh, breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just give a fill-in before we tell this story? Yes. So me and my mother greatly used to enjoy pranking Daniel when he would come to... <laughs> To England, so I first have to tell another story, then you can tell your $60 cereal. I mean, it's great cereal. Marks and anyway. Spencer's cereal, and that was a Marks box. Yeah, it was. Was, um, was it? Okay. Mm. So before this, you know, he would uh, he would come to England, and of course, there is cultural differences, right? And so he's kind of on edge, and you know, my family's kind of aristocracy and stuff, so he's got a, there's a lot of pressure, as I'm saying, for poor Daniel here. So he comes in the house. And of course, you know, I'm like, how can I add to this pressure in this situation <laughs> in the most comedic British way possible? <laughs> and so, of course, we, we're sitting at the dinner table. I, well, this, I've already pre-talked to my mother on this. And we have this rocket salad, which you have in Which America. is a much cooler name for arugula. We just oh, call it arugula. arugula. Okay, I think it's rocket salad. Because they kind of look like little rockets in, no, the, in the shape. They do. Look, if you look at the, the leaf, it's, it's kind of like a Christmas. It's like a rocket. And it, the ends of fuel. Whatever propulsion system whatever fine. it's a little tiny rocket rocket salad and so uh he's sitting there at the at the dinner well, table so she tells me so this is, so it's actually not, oh, this is not the first time. yeah this was this was before we were out at dinner somewhere else and she tells me that in in england you 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 take you the rocket to. salad and you actually make a little pile of the, of the, the stems. stems yeah so, so it's very cult i told him it's very culturally rude yeah to not take to eat the whole thing, but you must leave so, the stem and make a small so sure neat enough, pile yeah, on the side. I'm at her. I'm at her house, and her and her mother has making some rocket salad. <laughs> some rocket and I, I pile it up on the side. Neatly. And, and, and she's she like, compliments. She's me like very good. Very, very good. You on know? your piling. <laughs> and, and so then, so then, several years later, I was at a conference oh, in oh, uh, in Snowmass and at a large table. This is and, in Colorado. And there's a there's a postdoc sitting <laughs> next to me from England. And, you know, and, and I was talking about this actually very similar to this very conversation. I was like, well, you know, ha, ha, ha. Do you know what they do in England? They they make this little pile of their of their salad stems, you know, of, the, <laughs> this, of this arugula salad. And she and, goes, uh, and the and the postdoc just looks at me. She's like, no, no, we don't. In front of Mrs. In this front of a room, all my colleagues, like you know. thirty people. In the room goes on. She's like, we don't do that in England. And I'm love. I am dying on the corner <laughs> of this prank, but managed to last about five years or something, where he believed sincerely, Sarah, very cutely. He'd Sarah. always pile his. Thing. It was to this very day, cute. I will still pile up my. 
my my rocket engines or whatever. It what? Is. So what's the second British prank, the serial one? But, oh no! So the so the serial. So this is actually a true story. Is that is that she, you know they don't have a lot of British. Um, they don't have as much breakfast cereal. Like they're we very, do. It's, they're very no. limited. You know, they're I, very, no, they're I limited disagree. I disagree. I've never had good breakfast cereal except for one oh my breakfast God. cereal. There is this Marks and Spencer uh, breakfast cereal. It has like I want to say it has like gold foil on the packaging and shit. But it's uh it's actually has it has chocolate. In the in the cereal, like actually little bits of, of chocolate. Doesn't have like gold foil then, in it or something. It's something, like something that. Yeah. really no, no, no. extravagant. Something, something bizarre like so that. he so eats this really, all of it. Really expensive cereal, and then I get in trouble for eating. I was like, how this dare? Sixty dollar bottle. No, 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 box, box no, no. I'm like, it's not sixty dollars. He eats it all, and I go, how dare you eat that? Sixty pounds. Sixty pounds. Which probably like eighty dollars. Eighty dollar packet of cereal. And he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> And my mother, again, totally in on it. So for Christmas, we bought him a box Marks. of very expensive Marks and Sparks cereal. Yeah. Oh, it's a great story. It was the best cereal. It was, oh, it really it was, was a great... I, I still, to this day, think it's the best If you want to get me something good for Christmas, get me some Marks well, and Well, I don't know. With the pandemic and all, are the borders still open? One can't tell anymore. Yeah. Oh, so it's actually been a very enjoyable podcast. I really just enjoyed bantering with you. Yeah. You know, it does make me want to bring up your, your sister's... Uh, partner he had a breast of a british accent he had a british accent but for a he minute. was he but is it gone now i i, I mean it's still kind of there i mean but he's not fair, british to be fair though they both i mean they, he went to they went to graduate school in england so so he picked, picked it up, it up in, in that graduate way, in that school way. but it was weird yeah that, that one i noticed was, it yeah because the first it time makes him i met smarter. him i mean to be fair, maybe that's what he, it is he has, he, he's really smart and you know he don't say anything. He's definitely very smart. Yeah. So, yeah, very smart chap. So, yes, that's very interesting. So, the whole British accent thing is interesting. I think, and I'm always telling people when I go to America, like, well, you know, your your accent is so interesting. Exotic, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, you sound very exotic to See, me. I don't know if I actually believe this. You tell this to me, yeah, but I think you're just, just being and nice. We, well, let's let the, no, no, let's let the listeners, and I'll, I'll give the story because I have a story about it. Growing up in England, when I was a young wee thing going to school, there was a girl, and she was specifically from California, and she had the Valley Girl accent. You know, the like, whatever, I can't do it. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? I cannot. For sure, like, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that accent. And it's like a very, totally spies, okay, for those of you who grew up in the 90s and watch that cartoon. Very Beverly Hills kind of accent. She was gorgeous. All the guys, all the guys on the sports team, everyone absolutely worshipped and adored her because of the accent because it's it's not so much about what the accent is i think it's about the exoticness of where you are so if you if you were to go and go to england i guarantee all of the girls would lovely they'd be like wow that yankee guy is so hot with his hot yank accent mm. but i'm always from now i know a bit more about the yankee thing it well, doesn't you know, apply and, to and, ev- and it apparently every goes way American. back because because you've got uh, quincy Right? Quincy P. Endicott. <laughs> no, not Quincy P. <laughs> <laughs> the tea company not is where I was tea. going over the garden wall, but you were going with Dracula and I was just fucking with you. So yeah, in Dracula there is Quincy. It's like oh, a wild stallion between my legs. And the best line, what am I going to say is the best line? I'd watch my colonial tongue if, if I, I were you. you. <laughs> so if I may say so, Lucy's hotter than a bareback naked go riding on a mare in June or something. Great line. Absolutely. Yes. Francis Ford Capella. You should use that line more. 
No, you should, I no, you should use the the. I would wash my clothes no, no, if I were you. I would never. It's I good. would it's never. A good the only time I did use it was not too long ago, and I did get in trouble on social media, and I used it in a joke alongside the my Hamilton. I love to put in a "You'll be back." Time will tell. <laughs> you know, great song. But uh, those are the only two I would dare dab with. But no, it, there's a, there's a, you have to be tasteful. And there's a time and a place. Yeah. So this leads us now into the final portion of the story time. There is a beautiful story oh, about biscuits. It? I want you to really okay. pull it up. Take your time to find it. So I actually, I actually heard. So this is a story of, uh, of Douglas Adams. I actually heard him uh, deliver it, you know. Yeah, in, so in a, for, for, those, for those millennial and younger. Who don't know who Douglas yes, Adams is? Yes, give us a Douglas Adams. He wrote uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Perfect. Yeah, anyway, here's the story. This actually did happen to a real person, and, and the real person is me. I had gone to catch a train. This was April 1976 in Cambridge, UK. I was a bit early for the train. I'd gotten the time of the train wrong. I went to get a, myself a newspaper to do the crossword and a cup of coffee and a picture and a packet of cookies. So it's worth saying that when, when I originally heard this story, he did not say cookies. But this is, this is actually from a book that he wrote that it was translated into American. American. Yeah. yeah. I went and sat at a table. I want you to picture the scene. It's very important that you get this very clear in your mind. Here's the table, newspaper, cup of coffee, packet of cookies. There's a guy sitting opposite me, perfectly ordinary looking guy wearing a business suit, carrying a briefcase. It didn't look like he was gonna do anything weird. What he did was this. He suddenly leaned across, picked up the packet of cookies, tore it open, took one out, and ate it. Now this, I have to say, is the sort of thing the British are very bad at dealing with. There's nothing in our background, upbringing, or education that teaches you how to deal with someone who in broad daylight has just stolen your cookies. You know what would happen if this had been South Central Los Angeles? There would have been quickly, very quickly gunfire, helicopters coming in, CNN, you know. But in the end, I did what any red-blooded Englishman would do. I ignored it. And I stared at the newspaper, took a sip of coffee, tried to do a clue in the newspaper, couldn't do anything and thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> in the end, I thought, nothing for it, I'll just have to go for it. And I tried very hard not to notice the fact that the packet was already mysteriously opened. I took out a cookie for myself, I thought that settled him. But it hadn't, because a moment or two later, he did it again. He took another cookie. Having not mentioned it the first time, it was somehow even harder to raise the subject the second time around. Excuse me, I couldn't help but notice. I mean, it doesn't really work. We went through the whole packet like this. When I say the whole packet, I mean there were only about eight cookies, but it felt like a lifetime. He took one, I took one, he took one, I took one. Finally, when we got to the end, he stood up and walked away. Well, we exchanged meaningful looks, and then he walked away, and I breathed a sigh of relief and sat back. <clears throat> a moment or two later, the train was coming in, so I tossed back the rest of my coffee, stood up, picked up my newspaper, and underneath the newspaper were my cookies. The thing I like particularly about this story is the sensation that somewhere in England there has been wandering around for the last quarter century a perfectly ordinary guy who has the exact same story, only he doesn't have the punchline. I thought that was great. It was such a good classic story, but you're too British yeah. to be like, hey, can you not eat my food? And the other person who thinks it's there is like too polite to be like hey can you so you just politely, so you just politely are exchanging cookies yeah. to try and mark your I think, territory I think, I think you know there's, there's probably something a little more deep here I think maybe that's the nature I think, I think, of I think maybe this is, the, this is the essence of why socialism works in England and why it doesn't okay, work okay okay hang here. on back the fuck up there buddy okay I know you Americans and your hatred of the word socialism just is that you you like to whoa, share whoa. not because you like to share but because you're just 
Too polite to not want to share. Oh my god. Too polite to put okay, your foot one, down. Okay, one, we are not socialists by nature. Two, however, just because we have nationalized healthcare like the NHS, yeah. just because we happen to have because free... You, listen you know to what me. I think it is? No, I think, no, you I think, it's, I think you it's that you're just down. You're too rude to turn people... You, you're too no, polite no. to turn people away. No. It would be rude to turn them down if they showed up looking for medical assistance. Oh my god. You're like, I, oh, well, I guess we have to because it would be rude not to. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, there's so much to unwrap there. But in short, I think it is a very good thing to have a nationalized healthcare system and to have yeah. free healthcare yeah. available, especially for the young and the elderly, and that should be a basic, accessible thing for every single country across the world. And you can fight me on that one. <laughs> Gotta fight you on anything. Great. You guys have one of the worst healthcare systems in the world. Yes. And that is actually a fact on the list, so we're not going to argue about that. It's actually not that. true. If you're you rich, guys, you got, guys we have Las really Vegas. Cool yeah, you guys are the Las Vegas of the health world. If you can gamble, and literally your insurance is gambling, is. that is what you do. You're like, I'm going to bet I'm not going to get sick this month, and I'm going to pay this actually, much Actually, that's not what you're betting. What you're actually <laughs> betting is you're betting that I'm going to be sicker that I am paying my premiums. Uh, so you're awful. saying, I bet that I'm going awful. to be more ill than this $500 a month or whatever I'm paying for insurance. Awful. So we won't, that's a, that's a whole other podcast unto itself that we won't go into. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's just politeness what it comes it's to. About, it's not just politeness, it's about basic human decency and care for other human beings and wanting the good of your people. Mm. That's okay. That's. But that's I think okay. it stems from politeness. Okay, we can sort of go back. So no, well, the last topic we're going to cover here on this on this bridge board is the nature of of it in in relationships and how I think sometimes it can actually fuck relationships up. Hmm. Okay, and, and this is by and we talk about and you're right in the sense of a politeness. I think oftentimes what can happen if you are an expat and you come over here and you're dating someone who's very straightforward and they're like, yeah, here's all my cards on the table. This is how I'm feeling. And if you're British, like, oh no, that's fine, dear. Everything's good. I'm fine. And it's a classic thing where you're not actually fine and maybe right. everything's not okay. But especially Stiff in the beginning, it. you're not able to express that. So in fact, I think sometimes what is misinterpreted there is that, and it's important if you have a British pet or friend, is that if they say I'm fine, even in the nicest thing you can muster, oh, that's very good. It's probably it's not true. fine. It's probably not okay, but they are not going to say it. And, and in fact, it actually be so, other. So what you're telling me is that that's not lying. That's that's just no, it's that's just it's so, somehow, uh, you, somehow being polite. It's being polite is nothing. So you want to know the only other culture in the world that actually I think mirrors it, and it's super far away, but it's very similar. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. The Japanese culture. Mm. They also pride themselves on politeness, especially in public, even more so than the British. It is impolite to hold hands in public, for example, in Japan. That is a big faux pas, a big no-no. But they have this idea of a social unit and that you should never put yourself above anyone else. It's a very strong inner moral kind of... And so the manners are everything. So if someone is acting out of that social strategy, it's noticeable and uncomfortable. Mm. So I think that's kind of similar to how the British, on a lesser extent, that we very much have this sense of, okay, this is how it should be. This is the right way to do this. And so when we see someone acting out or being extremely out of that, you know, mm. in, in that American way sometimes... You can't, and it's it's not. It's just, I think it's even more than. But but, but then here, let me ask you this: What happens so that when somebody it. is standing out like that, isn't it? You can politely <clears throat> ignore it. You can politely ignore you it. You just say, "I don't know what's happening." Yeah. What? Who's that man? <laughs> you know, looking I, in your direction. I, I, I will. I will drop this. No, I, I won't. Yes, I will. This is exactly what happened in World War Two. 
We're at the end of our podcast. Would you look at the time? Look at that. It's actually 30. In fact, it's not even the end of a podcast. We've gone five minutes over, but it is 35 minutes in. So if you want to do a World War one or World War II about, or how we just, had, we just had a big row about Winston this the other day. Churchill definitely and the British definitely changed the game. And I will, you cannot change my mind on it. The Battle of Britain. I'm not, you know, we're okay, not going to do that today. We can do World War One and World War II. That should be its own podcast. Uh, I want a whole, sis, like a series of history. Should say history? Okay. We need history. I want an ancient Egypt one. I want a Greece okay. one. And how you exploited them. The Greeks. You know, I... <laughs> okay, look. If you, we can do one on Vietnam if you want to talk about that. <laughs> that was the shows. French's fault. I blame them. Okay. Well, regardless, <laughs> I will say that separate from the ending here, I've actually very much enjoyed this podcast and really enjoyed talking fun. about it. So we'll definitely get back into it. And if you guys have any suggestions, as always, I'm always open to listen to them. And we'd love to do some topics kind of maybe out of our comfort zone and do something new because we've covered a lot now. We're on our third season. Can you believe are we? that? I we are. I don't know. It's insane. And we're here in the pandemic and surviving. And right. we hope that you are doing the same. And we're now in the library. We're now in the library because it's too cold, too damn cold to be outside. But I tell you what, I guarantee the audio will be better for it being down here. Probably. So without further ado, thank you for joining us tonight. Good night and take care.